welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova Live. I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime for our live shows, Ryan Esquire, and that's Ryan with an O, so you already know you're in for a treat, right? Because you don't meet too many Ryans with an O. So if you love the content, definitely check out our pre-recorded podcast at Unleash Your Supernova on all favorite podcast players, and subscribe, like, leave a review if you love what you're hearing. And if you love the content that Ryan is sharing, check him out at ryanesquire.com. That's R-Y-O-N-Esquire.com. So a little about me, I am the founder of Rain Magazine. I am also the author of the newly released book, Unleash Your Supernova. It covers how to survive the crazy roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. But also, you take away 101 action steps on how to boost creativity and beat burnout. Ryan is also a creative entrepreneur. He is a mindset coach, visionary, and business coach. And he loves helping those that are changing the world. So definitely check out RyanEsquire.com, and if you need any coaching guidance, definitely, it's Ryan. Ryan's the only choice, I say, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, let's dive into the show. Today, we're going to be talking about tips and words of wisdom and advice on how to bring out the greatest version of yourself, okay? It is about leveling up personally in business and entrepreneurship and loving everything you're doing. So we're going to talk a little bit about the psychology of fashion and why and how that, turn, how that ties into moving into the greatest version of yourself. But before we do that, I'm going to welcome my co-host. Hey, Ryan. So do you think my mom spelled my name with an O because it makes you stop and go, oh? Is that what you think? <laughs> I do, I do. And you know what? For some reason, you're sounding really far away. So come closer to your mic for me if you can. Oh, am I? Okay. Is that better? No? It's not, but I can hear you. So we'll just roll with it. We'll just roll with it. So um, I I love the fact that she spelled your name with an O. I am a big fan of names, especially unique names. And I only know one Ryan with an O. I've only met one Ryan with an O, and I think it just makes you stand out a little bit. I think those little details make a really big difference in our personalities. They do, you know, because I, I grew up obviously having to spell my name, and when you're real little, that's kind of embarrassing, right? But then as you as you grow into it and get older, you know, you kind of like it because it does make you unique. People look at it and go, oh, that, that really is different. I never seen it spelled that way before. And, um, you know, we all need those little advantages to stick out whenever we possibly can, right? So, um, yeah, I, I use it. It also makes uh, emails and domain names super easy to get nowadays. <laughs> so. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I actually have the opposite <laughs> experience. My name is not that common, Nova, mm-hmm. yep. like it sounds, N-O-V-A. However... Anything that I kind of look for, like a domain name or uh, what else? I guess a handle on social media platforms. Nova is very popular. So even though it's a mm-hmm. unique name, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I still have trouble trying to find different digital assets with just Nova anything. But, you know, when I do Nova yeah. Lorraine, it's usually I'm good. <laughs> There's not yeah. many yeah. Nova Lorraines in the world. But, yeah, I find that um, I have the opposite <laughs> mm-hmm. effect when I'm using my name, at least online, trying to create properties. And then you, it works in your favor. Ryan it does. Popular name, but just spelt differently. So yeah. Oh well, what can you do? It's so funny. I remember being a kid, and you know, you could get little uh, keychains with like, you know, your name already in there, right? Or belts with the name already on there. And Ryan was always there. It was always just spelled with an A. So I I wasn't going to buy something with a misspelled name. So um, it it was. I just remember that because I remember thinking like, huh, that's really cool. It really sucks that I can't get it because it's spelled wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So before we talk about fashion and unleashing and, you know, we like to start off by reflecting on our day or week and, you know, talking about something that's interesting that happened. Do you want me to go or do you want to go? You can go. Okay. Well, this week is Earth week for those that are listening to this in the future. And this past Tuesday, we did the Earth Day. We did an event for Earth Day, which was really, really great. And it was all about innovation and sustainability. Now, this is the kicker. It was a summit, okay, so a Mm -hmm. conference Mm -hmm. on Clubhouse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we also streamed it live on Zoom. So, but wrapping your head around how do you create this physical event, you know, this formal event on an audio-only chat, not Zoom or these other live digital event platforms, but Clubhouse. And it was really interesting, and we had to use all of the features to our advantage to give that sense that you're at a formal event and not in an informal chat. For those that use Clubhouse, you know, you're jumping into a room, listening to a conversation informally. And so that was a real interesting experience. And um, this morning I did a room on helping writers and podcasters launch their book or launch their podcast. And that was really Mm -hmm. fun. It was super intimate. And we just spent a lot of time diving, you know, deeper on various questions as it related to how many shows did you launch with? You know, what's the best publishing um, company to go to for a small author that actually wants physical books in, in their hands that's not super expensive? You know, what topic should I narrow down my podcast show to be about now that I've decided that I actually want to do a podcast? And so anyway, it was just a lot of fun, you know, just meeting really great, passionate people that have cool ideas to help other, you know, their community. And mm-hmm. one idea was on self-care, and the other idea was on helping models break into the industry. And I would love to get your thoughts on the self-care one because he wanted to talk about self-care for men. He realized that there really isn't a place to have these conversations or go to to find resources for self-care for men. What, what do you think about that? You know, uh, I kind of agree. There's not. I, I've seen a few things out there that, that, that are trying to tap into that market a little bit. Oddly enough, one of the things I saw was, like, makeup for men. Speaking of self-care, 
um, like you know, to hide the bags, hide the wrinkles, whatever. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, so like there, there's, it's kind of trending that way on, on some level. Uh, a, I completely agree with it. I, I think one of the issues with it that's going to be is culturally, like in our, in our society, it's not typically a topic that is either a discussed with men or b. It almost embraced by men because we're raised to be like, you know, tough and rugged and individualistic. And part of that individualistic is I can handle anything, you know, dealt to me. And I don't need any help, right? Which is complete and total BS, but that's kind of the way that, like, that, that ethos is. And so uh, I, I think a lot of that, uh, as far as like really growing that industry, is going to be changing the mindset, the ethos of, American men and what they view American men to be. So yeah, you know, he. It's interesting, and I do remember covering stories in the magazine in Rain about makeup for men many years ago. It was this new okay. trend. It was taking what was done on television and film because you know a lot of yeah. most of the actors have makeup applied and yep. bringing it to the everyday person, everyday man. Yep. So that was something that was, and you know, these products were very ahead of their time, I think. Uh-huh. But the point about normalizing facials and pedicures and yeah. massages and I don't know what else would men do for self-care. I mean, women, we'd love talking about baths and Mani-pedis, yes, but we love our hot baths. We love our, you know, our bath bombs and our scented candles. And, you know, so it's just an interesting conversation because I do feel that however you define self-care, it ties back to your mental health. It ties back to bringing balance into your life, loving on yourself, right, and Mm -hmm. paying attention to yourself, which is so important. And you could do it in different ways. Maybe... For you, self-care is going out and, and gardening each day, and that's taking care of yourself because that's what you love to do. And you're not making money from gardening, but it makes you feel really good. So I feel like you could define self-care in many ways, but it is definitely a topic that you usually don't find synonymous. And <laughs> you're not going to find that, I don't think, in the barbershop. I don't know. Maybe you would. I don't know. Is it a topic no. that barbers talk about? I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't go to a barbershop. I, I go to a uh, stylist. Maybe that's my definition or my version of self-care. Um, but uh, okay. But I don't really, usually most barbershops I've heard about, it's usually you know, talking about sports, talking about girls. Like, no, whatever. It's not necessarily, you know, uh, what you did today to go and, and spoil yourself. That's typically not – and if it was a topic of conversation, uh, it would be met with a lot of laughter and a lot of ribbing and um, kind of like locker rooms and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, it is interesting because, like, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Texas, on a dairy. Like, you know, it's just, it was a very rugged, manly culture. And so I, I have no problem with, like, men that do mani petties and, and, you know, like, take that level of self-care. But it is funny because I do view it differently than most of my cohorts in a city would because of where I grew up and the type of men that I grew up around. And, um, you know... It, so, like I say, it's one of the things that I totally recognize the importance of. I just don't know if I would ever do, which is kind of hypocritical based on what I do. But you know, it's it, it's kind of 
know, I guess ingrained in me that that's just not something, you know, that I, that men do. It's kind of weird, right? It, it's it's weird. No, I wouldn't say it's weird. I think it's it's just our culture. And it is. I, agree. I feel also it's the definition of what we are saying self-care is. Yeah. And if it's if self-care is only in that little bubble of getting your nails done, then, <laughs> yeah, most mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. aren't going to identify with the term self-care. But if self-care is about how can I find ways to show self-appreciation, um, give myself attention, you know, which could be also defined as self-love, you know, how mm-hmm. do I find ways to give back to me? Because we're giving so much to everyone and all these external, you know, uh, tasks, roles, relationships. You know, how much time are we taking back to give back to the individual, to the self, right? So I feel that part of it is just changing that narrative, changing that story around yeah. self-care but it is so important, and it's not just nails. It, it's it's no. really, like I said, yeah. you know, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I, I agree, and, and if you're going to define it that way, I think a lot of it then is, you know, because in some ways that's almost a selfish behavior based on how America's like, you know, you should be giving to your family, giving to your work, giving to your kids, giving to your community, right? It's all about give, give, mm-hmm. give, it, which is a great way of living life. But, but you know, you're right. You do need to take time for yourself and recharge. And if you're going to define self-care, basically, is that time to whatever it needs to be for you to recharge, whether it's yoga, whether it's, you know, reading a book, whether it's mindfulness, whether it is that mani-pedi, right? Um, you know, I, I agree with that. And I think a lot of it is just it's not only bringing attention to it about, about the importance of it, but I think it's also – really educating people about how important it really is to take time for yourself and recharge, right? And, and, and love on yourself because, um, and it's, it, it's, it's weird because like we're talking about you and I talking about this from kind of a humble perspective. I think you and I are fairly humble people, but then you see the complete opposite on TV with people who like are completely in love with themselves. And it's like me, me, me. So it's like, you know, they're probably all into self care. So it's, it's kind of, Finding that, I guess, happy medium of like, you know, those people that don't take enough care, care of themselves and educating them on the importance of it. And then, you know, making it acceptable, making it safe to go and do those things and not be judged by your family or not be judged by your friends or, more importantly, not be judged by yourself. Because I would judge, you know, and anyways, I think I would judge myself if I did some of that kind of stuff because – I should be working. I should be, you know, making phone calls. I should be marketing. I should be mm. learning or research. It, 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 so I would right. probably be the harshest critic, which I think is probably the case for a lot of uh, high-achieving individuals. You're absolutely right. And, you know, that just made me think of this event that I was a part of uh, yesterday. It's, it, it's, it was held at the University of Connecticut, and mm-hmm. there were a group of companies, um, startups, Student startups, actually. Well, let me see. Student-founded startups. And they were all competing for cash prizes. So think of the Shark Tank TV show setup. Uh-huh. You had a yep. panel of judges. You had each company, founder, founders, 
present their idea, the judges ask questions, and then, and then there's a deliberation. So what was really fascinating is one of the companies, one of the startups that presented, presented a subscription box around the concept of mental health. And okay. as they were doing their pitch, they absolutely discussed how self-care is so important in our, you know, in maintaining a healthy state of mind. Yep. And so it's, it's just, it's, I'm really happy to see that that conversation and that topic is coming down to, you know, a younger generation, a younger you know, set of individuals that are in their teens, you know, late teens into their early 20s, where they're now mm-hmm. stopping and thinking about how do I find balance? How do I protect my mental health? As opposed to blindly going into the world after college and getting into whatever that cycle is until they reach burnout, you know, and you know, it's a topic that I talk about in the book, we've talked about in in past shows, in avoiding burnout, beating burnout, and that's really protecting your mental health and finding balance, and one way to do that is through self-care, right? And and like you said, yeah. I think it's so important to redefine that because there shouldn't be no judgment about <laughs> finding those little things that make you feel good, Just, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. No, I agree, it, it, and the way you phrase that, I think, brings up a, a an interesting point and a larger point, because in many ways, actually probably in all ways, uh, self-care is a um, something that you have control over from the standpoint of it's something you're, you're choosing to do for yourself, right? And uh, that takes time, and that takes energy and focus, and that means time and energy and focus are going to go away from somewhere else. So when you were talking about them, you know, taking that and then going into the workforce, right? So many workforces are not that way, right? It, it, it's work 60, mm-hmm. 80 hours a week, you know, it's dedicate your time. It, it's all about work, 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 work. So here's the question. How do you now um, integrate, you know, that, that self-care part into an environment your self-care? It's all about your end results, right? And, and, of course, the answer is, you know, you change the culture. But if you don't have control over that culture, how do you do that? I think that's an interesting question to discuss. Well, I think let's just remove the title because I feel that we often get caught up in the do's and don'ts associated with a particular label. So if we remove mm-hmm. the label of self-care and it's more of a question of what are the things that I love? What are the things that make me feel good? And how many of those things am I doing within the day? Or have I even done today? And and mm-hmm. I think there are temporary pleasures that end in a negative emotion. I'm not speaking about those things because, uh, uh, you know, substances are a mm-hmm. way to temporarily feel good. But at the yep. when that wears off, there's a negative end, you know, to that or emotion yeah. attached to that. So yeah. what what are you doing that that you love that is gives you a positive emotion from beginning to end? You're not going to walk away, you know, with, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that or, you know, I feel worse now than I did before I started. You know, just something that brings you pure joy. 
-hmm. And maybe that's reading books and maybe read a chapter. You don't have to read a whole book in a day, but maybe read for 15 minutes. That's giving Mm -hmm. back to yourself. You're doing something you truly enjoy. So much of our day is filled with the checklist, the have-tos. You know, once upon a time, we didn't have to deal with emails. Now it's literally creating stress for millions of people around the world, you know, uh-huh. and taking up uh-huh. hours of our day. Yep. You know, so how much time are you carving out for yourself that, you know, is being taken up by tasks or to-dos or work-related or parent-related responsibilities? That's uh-huh. all, I think. It's like removing the label making it super simple. What do you do more of what you love basically? And, but at least try to do one thing that you love each day. Maybe you love to dance, put on a record, put on, you know, put on your playlist on your, on your phone, dance one song. What is that? Two, three minutes. Now, if you're going to the older songs, four minutes of your day that you're dancing, you're giving back to yourself. You know, we give so much to so many external things. We forget to give back to ourselves and replenish that well, so refill that well. And, and I think what a lot of it boils down to, kind of what, based on what you're saying, is um, intentionality, right? Being in, like, mm. like becoming aware of it and then being intentional about integrating whatever it is into your life, right? And so to me, it's, it's not only intentional, but then, it, you know, like you and I have talked about before, Atomic Habits. It's creating that habit. It's making that part of it because, you know, self-care should be, as daily or routine as showering and brushing your teeth, right? It's just something you do every right. day for, you know, it's like that right there is, you know, physical health and grooming. It, it'd be for, it's for mental, mental health and grooming essentially. And, um, you know, so it, it's, you know, taking control of that time and it's scheduling, you know, I'm going to do this at this time and I'm going to do it for myself and, you know, everything be damned, right? Or, or it's, you know, I'm going to get up, 30 minutes earlier in the morning and, and work out or, or meditate or read because that's what I need to center myself. Um, now, the other problem with that is, you know, it creates one more item on a checklist that you already have a huge checklist of, right? So, um, you know, to me, a lot of this really boils down to uh, everybody's like, there's not enough time in the day, which is true, but the reason there's not enough time in the day is because we're so busy doing things for somebody else. Yeah, and so that like that to me is always the biggest, biggest. Cause it's funny because you're talking about you know your event at UConn with the students, and and I remember thinking you know that's a very privileged what we're discussing is a very privileged concept, right? You know if you're struggling to to pay bills, if you're struggling to to you know um, find a job or make it to work, or you know you're spending two hours on a bus one way to get to work. Like, you're not really worried about this kind of stuff. So self-care, in many ways, is a very privileged uh, conversation. So, like, you know, what they, how do you make, make sure people like that get involved in self-care? How do you make sure people who are working 60, 80 hours a week have the time to, you know, do the self-care that's necessary so they can recharge, so they can be there for their families? And, you know, maybe so they can also perform better at work. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm always curious about as well. Yeah, well, you know, again, I think it goes back to the label and what we're assuming self-care is. And if you, let's just reverse it, care of self. Mm -hmm. Everyone sleeps at night because if you stay up all night, multiple nights in a row, 
you're not going to be able to function. So you go to sleep to take care of yourself. If you aren't eating the right foods for a long period of time, it's also Mm -hmm. going to have an effect on you. If you aren't um, showering, you know, it's going to have an effect on you. And so Mm -hmm. it's care of self. And it's what else do you want to put under that umbrella of care of self? Maybe you sit out in the sun for 10 minutes. Maybe you take a walk around your home or neighborhood for five minutes. You know, it's care of self. So you don't need to go to a salon. You don't need to go to the barbershop. You don't need to get your nails done to care for yourself. And so so it's more of taking that moment and really thinking about what do I enjoy? <laughs> it's like that mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I love nature. I love being outside. I love the sun. So for me, just getting outside, I get happy. I'm like, ooh, I'll go for a drive or I'll go for a walk mm-hmm. or I'll go for a run. That's me caring for myself and didn't cost me anything. And so I think it's more of let's broaden what we're putting under this label of self-care. Maybe let's flip it around and call it caring for yourself or caring of self, you know, and so we can pay more attention to those things, which I think is a great time to transitioning to the psychology of fashion because a lot of people don't really see a connection between caring of self and unleashing your greatest self and fashion. Like what does fashion have to do with any of those things? But before we do dive into that, let's take a quick little pivot to recognize the sponsor for this show, which is the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network, and that's Kangaroo with a U. And the the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network is for wild thinkers. If you think outside the box, if you are on a journey of growth, if you are looking to level up in life and or your business, Definitely check out the Pink Kangaroo, and that's Kangaroo the U Podcast Network, pinkkangaroo.com. There are shows for creatives, aspirational individuals, and like I said, for wild thinkers. And if you are a host looking for a home for your show to launch, grow, or monetize your show, definitely check out Pink Kangaroo. So coming back to our conversation, which started on self-care, but, you know, we came today to talk about the psychology of fashion and how that plays a role in unleashing your supernova. And, you know, unleashing your supernova is about tapping into that limitless potential that you have inside. It's already there. You don't have to go buy it, find it. It's a matter of unleashing it, cracking that egg open to let all of that goodness ooze out. So I want to, you know, look at fashion and how it affects who we are, how we feel, and the role that it plays into also our self-care in addition to reaching our highest potential. So I'll let you jump in here, Ryan. What are your thoughts? It's funny, um, one of my favorite, um, he was a sports broadcaster until he you know, got fired for random reasons, was Chris Carter. And I remember him saying one time, uh, when it came to like, he was talking about his uniform, but he, he dresses this way too, he was like, 
you know, if you, if you look good, if you feel good. If you feel good, you perform good. And that was kind of his, you know, attitude with, I mean, he used to do things like, you know, get his uniform tailored, make sure everything was at the right, exact level that it needs to be. And like really detailed when he's putting his uniform on to go play a physical game that was going to get moved anyway. And he was the same with his dress as far as Taylor and that. And so, um, it, it's a huge part of it. You know, if you, if, if you put clothes on and you just had this feeling of like, damn, this, like, I just know this looks good on me and it enhances me. Like, it's going to affect everything. You're going to feel better about yourself mentally. You're going to feel more confident. Um, you know, you're going to be happy. You're going to say hi to more people. You never know where that's going to lead, right? You know, you're going to take more chance. You're going to take more chances when the opportunity comes along. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's the craziest thing that something as simple as what you're wearing um, really can completely change your mood, your outlook on the day, your outlook on life, right? Um, your outlook on the direction and where you're going with your life. Uh, you know, it's super powerful, and it's something that um, I think a lot of people, especially in, like your industry, the fashion industry, tap into. But I know a lot of people like where I'm from couldn't care less about, right? You know, you go buy Walmart clothes, you know, you go work in them and that who cares? Um, but we, we, you know, if you find that, that look that, that is right for you, um, it in many ways really can be life changing. Mm, I agree. I agree. When I launched my fashion line, my tagline was beauty from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I have a background in psychology, um, you know, trained to the master's level. And I do feel that we, again, going back to that inner brilliance, the inner supernova, that star that's ready to just burst and shine, that it starts within beauty and mm -hmm. recognizing your inner beauty, going back to that self-care, if you believe you are worthy, deserving of these few moments of your day to give yourself that self-love or attention, that's about that inner, that inner beauty. And then just that, I love that quote you mentioned, you know, um, in terms of feeling good, performing better, looking good, feeling good, performing better. Because it's very reciprocal. If you feel good on the inside, mm -hmm. it's going to affect what you're putting on to adorn you and express how you're feeling. Yeah. That's going to receive a reaction and response, which is going to reinforce a certain feeling or emotion. So it could be neutral, it could be super positive, or it can be negative. Yep. And that cycle continues. It, it's very much a boomerang, you know, effect. Like what's going to go out is going to come back. And what you're adorning yourself with, if you're starting with the external, it's going to affect how you feel, which is going to affect how you stand and hold yourself. And, and then mm -hmm. you're going to get reinforcement. And then that's going to encourage that same behavior. So, I love it in the sense of sports. You know, I didn't necessarily think about it as it relates to sports, but I don't know a poorly dressed athlete. <laughs> you know, nope. I was, nope. a, you know, an athlete mm -hmm. most of my, you know, high school, college days. And you look forward to the uniform. You look forward mm -hmm. to the jacket. You look forward to the sneakers. You look for, I mean, 
there is a lot of time that's placed in these uniforms, and there's a reason for that. And again, it's something we take for granted, like, oh, this school is blue and white, and this school is, you know, red and white or whatever, and and we kind of let it be, but these athletes feel at the top of their game when they're putting these uniforms on. And so I love that comparison with sports because it's usually – you're not usually looking at fashion and sports and, you know, and feeling good by what you're wearing or performing better by what you're wearing, you know, as it relates to fashion. So I love that example that you gave. Yeah, and this is one of those topics that I always kind of get kind of squirmish with because we're in some ways we're also in a society where it's superficial, so, like, you shouldn't give a shit about how you look because it's all about your performance and your inner, and your inner beauty, right? And, um, and, and, and which, is, which is true, but I, I always came from the perspective of, uh, you know, I wanted to win, and I was going to use every advantage I possibly could to win, right? And um, the example that I come up with is like, you know, so when I lost my vision, I also gained a bunch of weight at the time because the medicine they put me on, whatever, right? And so, you know, at a young age, we're talking 12 years old before most kids, most, you know, especially male kids in the middle of nowhere, um, cared, I dressed really nice, nice as I possibly could as far as flattering for my figure at the time. And um, I did it because I always wanted to be perceived as a normal guy that happened to be blind versus a blind guy that happened to be normal. And, you know, if I, if everything matched, if I looked good, if I was fashionable, if my hair was, you know, done well and fashionable, you know, I, it, it was a reason for people to look past the fact that I couldn't say, give me, give it, you know, gives me an opportunity to like now prove myself as far as like personality, intelligence, or whatever, right? So I use it as a tool to um, enhance, you know, everything about me, right? And and that's how I've always viewed fashion is, you know, it's it, it's a it's a tool to be used. Is it superficial? Yeah, maybe. But the reality is the the way you strategically use it. There's nothing about that superficial, right? And it completely changes uh, the doors that open to you as far as like potential employers, uh, potential friends, and the reality is potential romantic partners as well, right? Um, you know, if you if you if you're if you're dressing like a young professional, more than likely you're gonna you know be interested in people that are young professionals. If you're you know uh, dressing like a BMX racer, more than likely you're gonna be you know engaging in dating people who are you know. BMX racers, right? Like, it seems so, again, superficial, but it's like, it really is, it really reflects who you are, what you believe in life, and um, the type of person that you either hang with or want to be. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting um, that you mentioned that you know, the last part of your statement with who you hang with or want to be, it Mm -hmm. ties back to the concept of identifying with a tribe, right? And Uh um, I believe this is talked about in the book Atomic Habits, where there's a lot of things you can do to to build positive habits and break (laughs) not the best habits, you know, to break the bad ones. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was interesting, then he brings out that, Leaving your current tribe is the hardest thing to do as it relates to breaking habits. Uh And that's fascinating because 
we often identify our tribe with how we dress. Yep. Right? And so if you are, if you don't identify with that tribe and you're dressing a certain way, that could prove to be challenging. Or Mm -hmm. you are a part of a tribe and you decide to dress another way, then that also can bring judgment or criticism from the tribe. So. And I don't think people are being intentional from a judgment standpoint. I think it's just human nature and, you know, a lot of this is subconscious and how we react and interact based on the colors, textures, silhouettes, shapes that are around us, which includes what an individual is wearing. So if we just Mm -hmm. see this as a tool and we say, okay, we all have to wear something, Depending on where you are in the world, that's going to vary. And so if you have to put something on and you are looking to be intentional, then you can use the science of colors to your advantage. You can use certain shapes and silhouettes that you're putting on to your advantage. You can use certain textiles to your advantage and see it as a tool in your toolkit to bring out that greatest version of yourself. So, for example... If your favorite color is yellow and you can care less about black, and let's just say you're neutral about black, by wearing yellow, you're going to feel more cheerful. So why not wear yellow more often? Or wear yellow when you're about to meet a new person, maybe for a friendship, you know, a career move or what have you. It makes you feel good. So you're going to act, you know, more positively. You're going to be more confident. I mean, I see it as really, you know, life is a game, right? And you can play it however you want to play it. Mm -hmm. You can choose to see it as a game or not. But if you decide to have more fun, you know, in life, in the game of life, and if you understand, like, again, the science of of psychology, the science of colors and things like that, and, and then you can use these little tidbits of information as tools in your toolkit to, again, reach that limitless potential that we're talking about. I agree. I, I, to, I, I totally agree. So I, I was, I, it was funny because when you were talking about that, I, I flashed back to my beliefs on this when I was high school, college, right? And a lot of this was reflective about where I grew up at the time, which was in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And I remember having to dress up for events and everything. And I remember the argument with my parents of, why do I need to wear this? It doesn't matter. No one else is going to be dressed this nice. And it's, you know, it's, it's not what I'm wearing that's important. It's the fact that I'm showing up and being kind and being whatever that's important. And, and so, like, everything that I'm now arguing, I completely argued against as um, when I was younger. And, and in many ways, it was reflective mm. of the culture that I was in. So that's why I was like pausing for a second when you're talking because I'm like, it's just crazy how much my perspective has changed. Um, and some of that's because I live in a city, uh, and, and you know the standards are very different in a city as far as you know what is considered like professional attire, right? And um, and and uh, the other part about it is I have gone into an arena, entrepreneurship, that requires a a, a certain look, a certain demeanor, and there's a certain expectations that. You know, if I'm not fulfilling that role, people aren't going to take me seriously, which goes back to playing the game. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the game in order to be successful. 
So it, it, it's just funny how I, that that opinion, that mindset has completely changed from it doesn't matter to it matters tremendously uh, because it does in the current environment, the current uh, the current game that I'm playing. And it probably didn't matter as much back when I was, you know, in small town Texas. Uh, but you know, I'm no longer playing that game. That's no longer the person I want to be. And I, I wanted, I want to go on and, and you know, conquer and win in, in larger arenas. And in order to do that, I had to up different standards of behavior. And frankly, just as one of them. Yeah, and and you know, I see fashion as art. And I also see it as a form of expression. And yeah. it is one of the most powerful ways that we can communicate without words. Yep. And if you care to communicate, be intentional about that communication. It's saying something regardless if you're intending mm-hmm. it to or not. I remember in grad school I did this social experiment where we had individuals within a room. It was a public space. And there was a constant stream of individuals coming through the doors. And we gave them a survey where they had to rate their impression of this person. They had to uh-huh. rate if they thought this person was mean or intelligent, um, <laughs> kind. Yeah. And it was based on just what the person was wearing. Yep. And we wanted to see if there were correlations with colors because we did another experiment where we showed the same person in different colors, same silhouette, and rate their personality. And so, again, if you wore a a red suit versus a blue suit versus a black suit versus a yellow suit, how would you be perceived just based on, you know, the science of color, the the psychology of color? And it was fascinating to see the results. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then you have the flip side, you know, based on – possibly the weather, based on how you're feeling, you know, you may wear, you may decide to put on something that's a little looser or something more tailored, you know, something that Mm -hmm. has texture versus something that doesn't. And your mood also triggers, you know, what you put on because that's what you're feeling. That's what you're conveying. That's, that's the message you're sharing, the story you're sharing with the world. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's fascinating, and we can go on and on in terms of, you know, the science behind it. And, you know, for our listeners, just take a quick search on, you know, what colors or, or, or search, you know, the psychology of colors and, and see, yeah, well, what could you use to your advantage? You know, Ryan loves red and orange. Yep. You want to share why you love red and orange? Yeah, you know they've always appealed to me. I, I, I just I remember loving red as a kid. But more, what I always tell you is um, they're bright, bold, like you know, red's power, orange is like fun and and um, you know, interesting, like fun and dynamic. But I was always like, you know, most guys wear black, blue, or gray, and I'm like, I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out, and those colors just stood out. So it was just like, boom, right? It just it just kind of made sense. Um, but I just, I, 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 I love color because, um, you know, it just, which is funny cause I can't see, but you know, it just, it, 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 it's not always expressive of you know, different cause most guys don't wear it, but you know, each color tells its own story about, you know, who you are as well, as far as like, 
you know, re- again, the reason I love red is because, you know, it, 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 is, it is power. Um, it is sophistication. You know, it is, it is, it is very much that, re- that kind of masculine, just boom color. And then the irony is orange is kind of the lesser, funnier, um, you know, goofier brother of red. You know, it's the one that wants to go out, have a good time, go party, you know, may or may not show up. So it, it's funny because it, 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 it's like it marries the two halves of me, right? I, like I was that funny, goofy, you know, whatever kid, and then I've grown into the red as I've gotten older, right? And so um, that, that's really why I love those colors. And the irony is, I hate blue and green. They're too damn grounded. You know, they're 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 they're, they're earth colors or earth tones. I need something that's more interesting and dynamic and faster moving and just higher energy, which is what red and orange are. Yes. No, I love that, and I love how it. You know, when you're starting to share that story in the beginning, how it was bold and fun and dynamic mm-hmm. and you want to stand out and, and you're really using these colors to shape your personal story and yep. how that story, you know, is reinforcing how you feel inside and how you want to be interpreted. So again, you know, you don't have to, for our listeners, you don't have to do anything with this information, but these are tips on how to continue to help you grow on your journey, you know, your personal journey, your entrepreneurship journey, is how does fashion fit into that? You know, wearing that cozy charcoal gray sweater, how does it make you, I say cozy, so obviously obviously you can make me feel good. Obviously it's cozy for you. But (laughs) but for some people, you know, wearing a textured wool sweater makes them want to itch and it gives them the opposite That was was me, by the way. I was like, it sounds itchy as hell. (laughs) So, you know, what is it that you can do within the space of how you dress to bring out those really, really positive feelings that you feel about yourself and to add another layer of confidence, you know, as you're going through your day that's going to add to any of the performances that you may be making. You might be, when I say performing, any of the actions you're doing. Maybe it's cooking dinner you know, or maybe it's putting on that really cute workout outfit to go running. You know, um, I was telling Ryan a story that when I decided to really jump back on my workout schedule, it was, you know, going from zero to something is always challenging. And in my mind, I wanted to do it, but how I was going to get myself to physically start doing these really hard workouts And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to go pick out a couple of really cute workout outfits, which I didn't have. And, you know, they were going to be coordinated or whatever. And I'm going to feel good in these outfits, and I'm going to want to work out by just wearing them. And so that's what I did. I needed an extra incentive to hit my, my fitness goals, and I used clothes as that incentive. So I'm just saying... It's a tool in your toolkit, and it doesn't matter what the silhouettes are. It's just that you want silhouettes that are going to complement you, make you feel more confident. You want colors that bring that smile on your face, that really enhance how you feel. And, 
you know, if something is tailored versus not, how does that make you feel? You know, go for the, the, you know, the one that makes you feel better, more confident, more beautiful, stronger, you know, whatever it is. So just take, keep that in mind. I just want to share this quick story. And then I want to touch on how sustainability falls into this whole thing of unleashing your supernova as it relates to fashion. But there is a, a fashion blogger out of France, a French fashion, fashion um, YouTuber named Norni, and he wanted to do a social experiment as it related to the psychology of fashion. So he went out on the street dressed as a homeless person and decided to just fall to the ground to see how people would respond. And this was all videotaped. And people either scurried around him, moved out of the way, you know, sped up as they were walking past him. And then he decided to do the same action in a suit. And he just fell to the ground suddenly uh-huh. in this public place. And people just ran to him to lift him up, you know, to take care of him. And I'm not saying if it's right or wrong. Um, clearly, as humans, we tend to judge before we don't add judgment. And it's something that we all need to work on. But there is a response difference to both scenarios. And yep. so, again, we can spend a lot of time on the psychology behind what that is, but he was just showing that people do react differently based on what you're wearing. And so if you're going into a meeting, and a lot of this is common sense, but you can really peel the onion layers, not just on, oh, I'm going for an interview, I'm going to wear a nice clean suit. I'm going for an interview and I want to show them that I'm bold and dynamic, so maybe I'm going to wear a, a, you know, a, I don't know, a purple suit with a polka dot scarf or tie or something like that. And so it's like you could really go layer by layer and how you could take advantage of the psychology of fashion and how it could benefit you in tapping into that supernova. Ryan? Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to respond or uh, that. I, cause I was no, I didn't know if I was one of those mic drop moments where no, listen, no, no, I was dropping no, no. I was so much knowledge, you had to take yeah, a moment. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had two thoughts. First was the purple suit with the pink tie. I'm like, are they interviewing for the role of the Joker? That was the first, That was one of the thoughts I had. So well, I, I said polka dot. I didn't say pink. But I said, said polka purple dot. Suit. You said purple suit. Um, yeah, I did say purple the, suit with a polka yeah, dot tie yeah. or scarf. But the other one I was thinking was, <laughs> back to your, that, that experiment, it very much tapped into the story I was telling about, you know, once I lost my vision, really starting like really worrying about my dress and, and to present a, a certain image. I really wanted to portray a certain image and it was completely different than every other blind person that was out there. And, and it's funny that you say that because I, I, you know, I walk around downtown and, and very rarely people you know ask if I need help. And um, it's because I look like I have my shit together. You know, like I'm dressed nice, you know, I'm walking with a dog, I'm walking confidently. And I look like I know where I'm going. And um, it's a very different experience than a lot of other blind people that I've heard their stories. And I think that's a lot of the reason why, right, is, is because, you know, I, I'm, I'm put together like, like a person who is competent, would, would, would dress, right? Um, I, I'm doing the mannerisms, whatever. And so um, it's very much affecting how much assistance people think I may or may not need. But the reality is, 
there's a lot of times I, I I don't necessarily know, or not a lot, but there are those times that I, I don't necessarily know where I am that I could use the help, and I don't get it because of that, right? I would rather have that situation the other way around. But, yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, could see that working yeah. for you. And so I was just kind yeah, of thinking about sure. that, that story when you were telling me. That's what I was thinking about when, when you thought it was a mic drop. But, um, yeah, no, I... It just shows the power. No, it is of it, right? very interesting. No, it, it, it's interesting, and of course, it brings two of my loves together: psychology and fashion. I, yep. I love the analytical side of why this is happening, and then, of course, looking at the results and trying to figure out why it's happening. Yep. But I also appreciate how you can take that information and apply it to what you are trying to get out of your life experience or an, yep. or um, a situation. And so, again, the more you know, the more you can use, the more tools you have, you know, the, the quicker you can fix that, that car or whatever it is you're trying to fix or put together, the faster you can get to your goals. And this is, a, this is what it's all about, you know. We all have dreams that we're trying to achieve, and it's just another way of helping ha- get those dreams yeah. achieved. Um, I just want to mention one more thing because I know we're getting close to time is sustainability and what that, how that plays into this whole conversation where most clothing, fast fashion clothing is made in an environment where individuals aren't treated fairly or well, um, or the materials aren't the best materials for our bodies or the environment. And that carries a certain energy too. And we may not think about it again, it's sort of self-conscious, but when you're wearing a handmade item, someone that's put in attention, going back to that word that we use, mm-hmm. care, a love of the craft into that item, and you are then wearing it, that feels a whole lot different than wearing a fast fashion item off of the shelf where it's one of hundreds of thousands that look the same. And yeah. so... We are moving into a space of more, I would say, conscious, you know, fashion behaviors, consumerism, behaviors yeah. and consumerism. And I feel that it can make all the difference when you're choosing something that's more sustainable as it relates to fashion and what you're wearing than something that's not. There is a certain level of energy, care, and love that goes into that item, which will then you know, again, everything has that reciprocal effect, right? You put that on, and this is all on a subconscious and a subatomic level, but I'm getting away into my nerdy side. But anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that will affect you in a more positive way. And for anyone who's had the opportunity to have an item fitted or tailored to them, that is an unforgettable experience. There is a certain amount of energy and attention that that craftsman, that tailor, that seamstress, it could be your aunt, it could be your mother or grandmother, that's putting towards that. And that feels a certain way when you're wearing that particular item. So I just want to say that definitely explore sustainable fashion more carefully and more intentionally and or custom made or slow, slowly made, slow fashion, because that also is another little tip that can give you that edge in how you feel and you're and reaching your potential. Yeah, it kind of goes back to quality versus quantity argument. You know, five amazing pieces versus 25 average. 
that in and of itself Absolutely. is sustainable, you know? That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I think that wraps up our show for today. And, you know, um, I loved our initial conversation around self-care or care of self. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, what we touched on as it relates to the psychology of fashion. You know, we didn't get into the adoption cycle. Um, maybe we could touch that on another on another show where there are different roles and players that relates to how we are influenced by what we wear or who is influencing what we wear. Um, And that's really fascinating as well. Um, You know, most high fashion is inspired by street fashion, not the other way around. And um, there's another phenomena where designers, when they release their collection once a year, and it's super secretive in terms of what they're debuting, but when you put it on the runway, you see a familiar theme and thread running through most of the collections. And mm-hmm. that's that co-creative consciousness, that creative consciousness that you can't escape. You know, everyone's sort of tapping into that, that creative well of inspiration. So it's, there's so many things that are fascinating as it relates to the psychology of fashion and how it affects us as entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs. So I was really happy that we were able to touch on that today. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. It went, this conversation went uh, in avenues I didn't expect, so it was fun. Yeah, so that will wrap it up. And next time, we hope to have time for questions from our listeners. Thank you again so much, Ryan, for joining me on our live show. Thank you to our listeners for coming back each and every time. We so appreciate you. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. And download the Unleash Your Supernova podcast. You can go to rainmagazine.com and find it there. You can go to Evergreen Podcast and find it there. And, of course, you can find it on the Pink Kangaroo, that's Kangaroo with You podcast network. And, again, check out ryanesquire.com. That's R-Y-O-N. If you are looking to level up your life and you're seeking a coach or a guide to help you get to your goals, accomplish your dreams, Definitely check out RyanEsquire.com. And if you haven't yet, my final plug is get that Unleash Your Supernova book. I'm telling you, it works. The tips in there, the guidance, it's practical, actionable steps that you can apply immediately. It's a super easy read. Check out the reviews for yourself. You can get it on Amazon, all major bookstores. This is Noble Lorraine, and thank you so much again for joining us, Ryan and myself, on the Unleash Your Supernova Live show. 